Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Hundreds of wildfires are burning in Canada right now, and as you've probably seen, hazardous smoke has engulfed much of the Canadian and U.S. skies, especially in the Northeast and Midwest regions, which are unaccustomed to wildfire haze. It's a dangerous situation since there's no end in sight, and wildfire smoke can cause serious health complications, leaving millions of people at risk of breathing in unhealthy air. So today we chat with Politico Zian Lum, who's based in Canada. She breaks down the health risks of wildfire smoke exposure, the federal response from the U.S. and Canadian governments, and how climate change is playing a role. It's Friday, June 9th. This country is huge. These wildfires are also burning in very remote and far-flung areas across the country. Conditions are dry. There are a limited number of firefighters for hundreds of fires. And also the current burn rate is unprecedented this year. Got it. And so what are the health risks to people from wildfire smoke exposure and how is it impacting everyday life in Canada where you are? Well, for me on Thursday, it's been the first time in a few days that I've been actually have been able to open my window and leave it open because for the past few days, the air quality here has been very, very poor on a scale of one to 10 plus, 10 plus being the worst. It's been 10 plus for a few days and people have been reusing their reliable N95 masks. They've been also avoiding outdoor exercise. It's not a good time to be outside and doing outdoor activities and people have just been avoiding going outside if they can. People have been complaining about headaches and um, some itchiness in their throats. So people just have largely tried to avoid going outside over these past few days. Wow. And so, of course, millions of people in Canada and the United States we're under air quality advisories this week. How unprecedented is the severity of the wildfire season we're seeing right now in Canada? And how long is this situation expected to last? Well, the hazy skies are expected to last for a few more days. But beyond that, we just don't know. What we do know is that this year's wildfire season got off to a very early and aggressive start. The season usually picks up around late June, early August, after the snow cover completely melts away and when temperatures are steadily rising. This year, the season started in mid-May, so that's super early. And if the burn rate continues at this current pace, we could also be on track to witnessing Canada's worst wildfire season on record. And what that could mean, you know, for our American neighbors like yourself, is more hazy skies, more, you know, air quality advisories. As of Thursday, well, there are about 413 active wildfires and 249 of them are considered out of control. And if we just step back and, and look at a map for a second, historically, the 10-year average for wildfire damage has been about 620,000 acres burned. This year, you know, bearing in mind that we're barely into, you know, six months into 2023, the wildfire damage is estimated to have burned through about the equivalent of 3.3 million hectares or 8 million acres. So that's roughly the size of two Connecticut's, which, you know, this isn't normal. 
Got it. And how are the Canadian and U.S. governments working together to respond? And what can federal regulators in both countries do in the future to prevent a situation like this from happening, if anything, given the role of climate change that we know is making these fires more extreme? On Wednesday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and President Joe Biden had a seemingly cordial call about the wildfires. They pledged to kind of support each other to send more firefighters. But, you know, ultimately, do wildfires really care about regulations? You can, you know, introduce and implement regulations to prevent human-caused fires. Those actions are usually around, you know, restricting open fires, you know, firming up rules to have open fires attended at all times. But there's also like a labor issue to consider as well, right? You know, a thousand firefighters have come to Canada to help put out the fires, and about 600 of them are from the U.S. So response, there's a labor piece to this too, and then there's like a, a nature aspect of it too that is seemingly potentially outside of our control. Right. And I'm wondering how how we're seeing climate change kind of play out in the public conversation right now when it comes to these fires and just how politicians are maybe, you know, weaving that into their rhetoric and their messaging. Well, on this side of the border, I'd say that more of the left leaning parties are looking at this crisis and kind of pointing to it and saying, oh, we have to take more action on climate change, we have to, you know, put more resources into mitigating the impacts of climate change. And on the opposition side for the conservatives, they haven't really used this crisis as a moment to come out with clear climate action promises or policies. They've actually focused on filibustering budget legislation instead and using their party resources to bring attention to that issue, despite millions of Canadians being impacted by diminished air quality due to these wildfires raging across the country. Also, on Thursday, United Kingdom Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and President Joe Biden committed to a cooperation deal on defense and critical minerals. That deal, known as the Atlantic Declaration, includes pledges to negotiate an agreement to mitigate the impact of Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act, which prevents nations without a U.S. trade deal from accessing the law's tax credits and subsidies. Biden has pledged to allow the United Kingdom access to critical minerals in a similar agreement to that struck by the U.S. with Japan, easing barriers which affected electric vehicle batteries. For more news on energy and environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Kelsey Tamburino was a guest host of the podcast this week. Remember Michael is the podcast producer. Alex Keeney and Annie Reese edited the podcast this week. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is striving to lead the way in the energy transition. They're working to deploy carbon capture and producing renewable fuels. Developing multiple solutions today while forging new paths to the future. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash energy in progress.